What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sports Time with Ma. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to part one. College basketball season is officially back. So here goes part two with Christian Pino right now. Listen, also, don't forget to go to my website, www.sportstimewithmod.com. Merchandise available in stores. Subscribe to my email list if you enjoy uh, funny newsletters. And uh, enjoy the interview. Let's keep grinding. Whether you in a car, room, office, or tour, wearing in the morning, got to talk for all the news. Sports talking, we talking sports talking. I'm thinking Brady deflating the Jeter fuse with Boston. Now that Kobe retired, I'm thinking. So basically, we were just talking about you grinding as far as you working for free, really, right now. Like, you're not really working for Buffalo, but you just around the program, going to all these different events, all these big games, just being close to the game again, reliving that moment. Like you said, you missed your teammates hanging around with Coach. Then, Coach Oates gets the job here at Crimson Tide. Yeah, but let's, 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 let's how does that How does that spot happen? I'll go back to um, when I was kind of traveling with the team. Like, I, I wanted to support them and I wanted to see them win. And like I said, like, I just had to be around the game. And as we kept progressing, like, I didn't want to mess with anything that Coach Oates was, had going on because he was, the, in my opinion, the best coach in the country. And he had everything moving, but every game they kept winning, the stakes kept getting higher. And at Buffalo, they were doing all that winning with a head coach, three assistants, an ops guy, and like one video guy. There's five guys doing the job of like 15 people. So I texted coach. I said, Coach, if there's anything I can possibly do to help, like I don't want to step on overstep. Anyone, so I, I don't want to overstep, but like, coach, you know, like I'm, I want like th- these are my teammates. This is your team. Like we, wa- I want us to win. And he was just like, if you can't watch all the film on all the teams we're playing, kind of get your thoughts on like the personnel and kind of how how we're gonna how we're gonna guard them and stuff. And this is just like while I'm just tagging along, I said no doubt. So I like I, I just took a notepad, started watching film, writing everything down, and I doubt that myself even was helping much at the time. But uh, I just wanted to like like said, hey, this is what I think and whatever. And coach. He didn't have to listen to a word I said, but he did, and I, I appreciate him for that. And we we go in there, we beat Arizona State by like 30, and then we lose to Texas Tech, and then eventually made it to the Final Four of the championship, I believe. Yep, Final Four. And they, I think they lost to Virginia. Yeah. Um. So after that, like once. But that was huge for Buffalo. Like I don't want to, we don't want to un- let that go unnoticed. Buffalo making it that far in the tournament, that was gigantic for them. Like they haven't really been that far in March Madness tournament in a very long time. Y'all was doing something very special right there. Yeah, so the first time they ever made it to March Madness was actually my sophomore year. Yeah. And every year they just kept building it a little bit better, going just a little bit farther. And the last two years they ended up losing to Kentucky in the second round and Texas Tech in the second round. And like Texas Tech at that time, like they were, it was like one of the best yeah. like teams. Jared Culver and them, they were loaded. Yeah, they, they were a really good team and we just... We, I guess we just didn't have enough that time. Like I felt like, as far as a preparation standpoint, because I was sitting in the film sessions, I was like, Coach Oates and his staff had literally done everything they possibly can to prepare these guys. And um, like our guys took in the scouting report, they played really hard. And just like I said, like it, losing a game like that, you can live with because I felt like they did everything that they possibly could. Yeah. And so after that, um, 
had talked to Coach Oates after the game. He was congratulating him on a great season. And I see me and Coach Oates, like, he's my high school coach. Like, he's been my life for 12, whatever, 13 years. So, like, I, I, I had a different dialogue with him. But I just talked to him. I said, hey, when you get back to Buffalo, Coach, I just want to call you, get some advice and whatnot. And so from Tulsa, I go to Chicago because my cousin there, I had to make the drive. So I drove from Tulsa to Chicago, stayed the night there. Uh, I think Oates was already back in Buffalo. He called me. Or I called him first. I didn't get him because he was very busy. He called me later that night. He didn't get me. I don't know what I was doing. We played phone tag for like two days. And then randomly one day, like a couple, like it happened really fast. Like another day after that, um, he calls me at like noon and says, hey, uh, I took a job at a high major. Because I was going to call my, because I, I was just going to ask if I could volunteer at Buffalo or something. Yeah. Anything you need? Yeah, I was like, Coach, anything you need? Like, I just gotta get back into it. Like, if, like I'll already live with the guys. Like, I want like, if I can volunteer at Buffalo, do something, be a GA at Buffalo. And he goes, he goes, I know you've been trying to get a hold of me. It's just really busy. He called me, but I took a job at a high major. I can't tell you what high major it is. And at the time, it was like UCLA, Arkansas, Alabama, and Nebraska. So in my mind, I was like, it's gonna be one of these four teams that he took a job at. But he's like. They have a pretty good graduate assistant position. Uh, are you coming? I said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, no doubt. And then he's like, okay, good. He's like, I'll call you. I'll call you later today. I was like, all right, cool. And then three hours later, like I go on a run with my homies. My mom calls me because I'm, I'm like on a three mile run. She calls me and she called me like three times. I'm like, I'm like, I'm running. What, what, what's up? What's up? What's going on? She goes, oh my god, you didn't hear? Like Coach Oates got the job at Alabama. I said, oh, really? I said, I guess that's where I'm going. I, she's like, what are you talking about? I said, I talked to Coach, o Coach Oates earlier. He um, he said he was taking a job at a high major school, and he, he wasn't uh, wasn't able to tell me uh, where it was going to be at, but I told him I would um, I would love to come be a graduate assistant for him. So she, my mom's, like, ecstatic. She's freaking out. And she's like, oh, my goodness. I'm so happy for Coach Oates. I'm so happy for you. This is amazing. Like, Coach Oates is going to win a national championship. <laughs> And in my mind, I was like, Coach Oates will win the national championship. But, uh, like, moving on from that, later that night around, like, 9, 10 o'clock, Coach Oates is like, hey, um, you saw it's Bama. I meant to reach out to you earlier, but, you know, they just hired me. And, like, he had a million and one things to do. Can't imagine. He's getting pulled in every single direction, but he's like, I need you down here. Uh, when are you down here? I was like, I think I'm going to be down in, like, a week or two. I'll start packing my stuff. He's like, okay, I need you down here ASAP. And he calls me again the next day. He says, when are you getting down here? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, that means I need to be down there now. So I think that was like a Tuesday or, or it was like a Wednesday. They got hired. We talked again Thursday. And then someone else that was joining staff was uh, Josh Baker, who was our he, – he, he was the special assistant to the head coach. Okay. When coach Oates got the job at Bama, so coach brought him with him. And he was a coach at Romulus as well. So I've known Coach Baker for forever. I called him. I said, Coach, like – we gotta get down here. He's like, I know. Uh, when are you going? I'm like, I'm trying to get there ASAP. He's like, me too. I was like, Coach, I'll pack like two or three bags, and like, are we gonna drive down here? Well, he's like, Yeah, I'll drive. And he's like, All right, let's meet at five a.m. tomorrow. So this was uh, so it was Wednesday. Friday morning. Yes, this was this was Friday morning. I was like, Okay, where are we meeting? So we meet in like Six Mile and like I six ninety six. I text my mom, or I tell my mom, like, hey, I'm packing up, I gotta go. Can you take me to meet Coach Baker? 
right off the exit so we can drive down to Alabama. I pull up, he pulls up in a Prius. We throw our stuff in a Prius and we get down to Alabama and we get to work. And then basically, um, I don't want to say the rest is history, but, but like, basically that's where we, we just started working. And obviously we have an entirely new staff now because Coach Owens has had so much success. Like He had three of his assistant coaches go get head coaching jobs this year. But basically from the minute we got there, we all met as a staff and Coach said, let's work, let's change the culture here, let's turn this into a winning program, let's get these guys in the gym, get these guys loving basketball again. Because um, the, the culture and the vibe there when we got there was dudes weren't really loving the game anymore. No one was getting extra work in. And it was, uh, the program just wasn't in a good spot at the time. Yeah. And, I, well, thankfully it wasn't because we would, like, coach wouldn't have been there. He would have never got that opportunity. And we we just put our heads on and we went to work. And the first year was, that, and that's when, that's when COVID happened that first year. So... We, we had won some big games. Like, we beat Auburn, who was our rival, and they just came off the Final Four. They were undefeated um, at the point when we had beat them. Then they beat us at their place. But we we started winning games that we really weren't supposed to win in year one. And then towards the end of the season, we lose a couple games, and we go to the SEC tournament, and we're about to play Tennessee. And our athletic director, Greg Byrne, he comes in and has to notify us that we're not going to play this game because literally the entire world shut down. The entire world but shut this down. Was, we, were the, we were the first game of the day, so it was like 10, 11 o'clock. We were hearing about stuff on the news. When you're getting ready to play a conference game, you're locked in. Like You're not on social media. You're just focused on this. So like everyone's kind of talking about all oh, this thing going on. Uh, like People are getting sick. And... I don't think it really touched our country yet. No. But then that morning, our athletic comes in and says we're not playing, and we're like heartbroken. And we probably, maybe would have won, maybe we wouldn't have won. Tennessee had beat us earlier in the year by one point. Um, but it's a big moment for y'all. Yeah, it's, it's a big chance to, to get a win. And I, not by by no means am I saying we we're going to just magically go win the SEC tournament that, that year. But it was it would have been another opportunity to see where where we were at and maybe end the season yeah. on a really good note. Winning a game or two in the NCAA tournament or losing a really close game to a team that may have been better than us at the time. But it gets canceled and we're like devastated. So we go back to Alabama and like when I tell you the entire world was shut down. Like this you know it you was, know like, it was crazy. Every, like the university was shut down. They said they didn't give you a date. No time frame of coming back or so, nothing. What I did is, uh, my son, he was born in December, he was living in Michigan for uh, like a month and a half, and he spent a couple weeks down in Alabama with me. I went back to Michigan, and uh, the mother of my son, she was, like, her and my son, they, they were living with, at my mom's house at the time, and I go back there, and I basically, I'm just like, you know what, I'm here until further notice. Like, the entire world shut down. Like, I can't work, I can't do anything. Luckily, I have some money saved up. So we're all sitting at my mom's house. We're all just uh, like doing COVID. Like, yeah. you know, just everyone, like everybody it was, else. It was, yeah. it was new for everybody. Like I would take walks around the neighborhood. I would try to work out. I shaved my head. Like I, I will say this. I got to spend so much time with my son. Priceless time. Yeah, priceless time that I may have not gotten if we were still going because he wasn't living in Alabama. Yeah. But so I, I go back to Detroit. We're living and then I think... Midsummer, we're allowed to come back, but 
we decided, you know what, we're not allowed to practice in person. We're going to start, like Coach Oates calls us together, he says, let's make a ton of film edits. Like, let's have the best defense in the country next year. So after like two, three weeks being in Michigan, or like basically being off from COVID, just three weeks after COVID started, everyone kind of got their like, like decompressed time. And then we met as a staff, and we had an entire plan for the rest of the summer, and we didn't even know when we are coming back. But say we don't come back until school starts, we're going to go through this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. So that was when I think the Michael Jordan documentary came out. Yeah, Last Dance. So we watched that as a team. like So staff and players, like we would watch it, and we would discuss it on Zoom the next day. And then we were having defensive film sessions and offensive film sessions. On zooms. So we were watching, we were going back and like making edits on NBA, NBA teams, making edits on our own team. So every concept that we needed to fix, like so the year, like our first year there, I think we were like, what, like two and nine? Yeah, I was going to say. Games, for the... In games decided by five points or fewer. So we lost close games. So means. we knew we were close yep. and we weren't far off. So our goal was to flip that, be nine and two in close games, and we ended up flipping it. it was, yeah. It's insane, <laughs> but yeah. it was our defense. Like we lost close games because we just didn't have, like we were the number I think number three scoring offense in the country, but our defense was like in the eighties. Yeah. So we're like we're fixing this defense. So we're gonna get yeah. ourselves, up like three or four or five more stops in a game to give us a chance to win the close ones. And we're doing edits on, like, closing out to the ball, off the ball, defense, like, Xing out on the backside, rotating from here. We broke it down, like, with all that time we had because we couldn't get on the floor and practice with anybody. So we were just showing Everything. video on Zoom. And all our players were attentive. And we are also, I think, reading a book at the time. And so we had the last dance and the book dialogue. And Georgia we, State locked in. We were trying to shape our culture because – we had some really good seniors, and we felt like we could we could actually do something. And we didn't want to cheat the cheat our seniors and cheat our team out of three four months of work. And luckily, being at Alabama, we got to go back midsummer, which was before a lot of other places. And I was in the gym wearing latex gloves, rebounding for Herb Jones, Josh Primo, Jaden Shackelford, that team, um, yeah. all these guys, and like we're like like. We're supposed to be like six feet. You can only have X amount of guys in the gym at one time. And <laughs> yeah. We're in there working. Like these dudes are working like nonstop. I'm in there with a with a mask and gloves, like sweating my tail off, trying to just like rebound for these guys and put them through some stuff. And just put the work in. Yeah, and so I think that time it was kind of just like it was a reset for everybody, and everyone was like, "Yo, this is what it's gonna take to win." Like, regardless if we end up doing well or not. Let's just give ourselves no regrets. Like, let's work harder than every team in the country. Yeah, and how, for, for the listeners out there, I mean, Coach Oates took over this Bama team after Avery Johnson, but it's after the infamous Colin Sexton playing 5-on-3 game. Like, so you can understand the program at the time. Like, they played 5-on-3 in a natural basketball game on a college level. Like, that's after this moment when Coach took over. So how difficult was it for you all to come in and establish a culture? Because I think... That was the foundation. Like you said, this entire thing is forming that culture. How difficult was that to so do? The culture, I think, was the most important thing because there was talent on the team. Tons of talent. And we knew that there was talent. Um, 
and some talented guys had transferred to other schools, but when when we came in, uh, Coach Oates is an unbelievable like radar and like detection for like high character and the the like the information he got and then the all like his own like judgments, he had realized that like Herb Jones is a natural leader and Herb Jones has a chance to be special. So we tried to empower Herb as much as possible. And I spent a ton of one-on-one time with Herb for two years. And like Herb may not have been considered as talented as some of these other guys that had left. That you even had on your team at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a leader. And yeah, and he was a leader and he did everything the right way. And so we figured if he's doing everything the right way, everyone there respected and trusted him. So they started falling in with how he was doing buying things. into it because her is buying into it. I can buy into the system, and it has paid off. I mean, it's you, coach, you guys have been here as a staff. I would say for four years now, yep. you've got six guys that have been drafted to the NBA. You've got eight guys in the NBA: Keon Ellis and Charles, both uh, undrafted, but both in the league now. And then you got, like you just said, three coaches. Who are assistant coaches now all move on and take head coaching jobs in one season. I mean, you guys have done some amazing things in a short amount of time, SEC championships, but haven't gotten to the big dance yet. And something about Coach Oates, I don't think you guys are, as a staff have are worried about not winning it yet. I think you guys have bought into the process, the journey, the grind, and respect the grind enough to know that as long as we keep working, handling our business, we're going to win a title. So I hope we win a title. I hope we get a Final Four because there's Hall of Fame coaches that have coached for 40, 50 years that have never touched a Final Four. So when I tell you, it's it's not easy. And I will say this. We thought the team that we had last year was good enough to win it. And I think that's all you can really hope for is you need to know that you have enough yeah. to be able to win it. And then you got to do your job as a coach to – Try to get these guys to win it, and like I said, you could do everything right. It doesn't. You could still, you still gotta win. You need six some luck in sports in too. Yeah, you, you need you need some some things to go right, but you yeah. want to control all the controllables. And I, we felt like for the most part we did. I mean, this year we lost in two sixteen to San Diego State, mm. and I think we went like three for thirty two or three for twenty nine from three, and like going back, I think our analytics company said there is like a one percent chance that that could happen. And that's what happened. And it was a close game. Like, we, we got enough stops. Yep. We, like, they went up. We went up. They came back up. And we got enough stops to keep it, like, within striking distance to win. But, like I said, we the thing that, like, when we make shots, we're beating teams by 40, 50, and 60. Destroying but our defense teams. was still number three in the country that no matter how our offense was looking, our defense was going to keep us in the game the entire time. And uh, it was a... Uh, it was a very, it was a it was a very long year. Like we we had great moments, and then there are some other moments that weren't as great. Yeah. And then by the time we got to San Diego State, uh, a lot had just been like thrown at our guys, and I think our our team did so well, like fighting through adversity and a lot of the stuff that they had to deal with and go through. Being 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Yep. Like young men, young adults, like the stuff that the adversity had to go through mentally, and for them to still like persevere and become a number one overall seed 
run the table in the SEC, uh, go 16-2 and two in the regular season, and then go win the tournament and like win the tournament convincingly. And we were very, we're very proud of our team last year. And um, I think we have a really good team this year. And I think we have a chance to be a special unit. This I was going to say, you guys, you, you look at the roster, you say, dang, that team has lost a lot, lost some guys to the league, had a few transfers, you lose three assistant coaches. An outsider could say, man, maybe Alabama's going to struggle. You guys have made some quiet uh, quiet pickups through the portal this season. You guys have recruited well. You guys still have the same great coach and good mentality moving forward. What are your expectations from your squad, from the squad this year that you have kind of seen as far as like, do you think you guys have enough this season? So I don't want to necessarily say what our expectations are yet, but I will say our, we have we have potential that we can make a very deep run. And we are the defending SEC champions, so someone has to come take that from us. Yeah, you ain't lose it yet. So, and I promise you, it will not be easy for someone to come try to take it from us, but uh, um, they're going to try. And we have a ton of potential. We have a very, very, very mature group. And we have a lot of guys that still have a lot left to prove. And they work every single day like they do. Like they, they work like they I got are a chip in last, they work still. like they're in last place every yeah. single day. So I'm, I'm, we're very pleased with how our guys have been working. It has been, it's been one of the easiest groups to coach. And like our... Like, Coach Oates' teams have always been notorious for getting in the gym a lot. Right now, it's different than we've than we've seen. Like, it's a – maybe because we have older guys and they're more mature. Um, but like I'm saying – like I said, like, we have guys that are diligent that we we have to tell them, you guys got to chill out. You're working way too hard. <laughs> yeah, stop hooping so much. Relax. Yeah, like, enough with getting up at 6 a.m. and working out before practice and then getting another one or two in after practice. So we, we have some guys that are really, really, really locked in, and I think they're going to have some special seasons. And as a team, we have our goals, and our, our guys have their goals individually, and they're attacking every single day to go achieve those goals. So right now, we're very happy with where we're at, but we, like, we still have about six weeks before we play yeah. our first, first game, ten. and we spent the summer working on some stuff and we we felt like we really accomplished what we were working towards accomplishing in the summer and then these next six weeks we have another another plan and we gotta complete this plan by the time we play our first game and I think we'll be in a good spot so every like you're never gonna get the same exact team twice there's a very different team from last year and I'm ex- I expect a great year and I, I really believe in our guys and I believe in our staff that we're going to do everything possible to have continued success, but we still got six more weeks. You got six more weeks left. Yeah, we have six. We have six more weeks to to work. Are you ready for new responsibilities? Um, like I said, you've learned from some fantastic assistant coaches. Um, like I said, all three have went on to become head coaches now. Do you feel like you've learned enough, taking some notes from these good guys? Where if your name is called to do anything for the team as, an, uh, as a helper on the team, as part of the staff, are you ready for those responsibilities, you think? Yeah, so I'll say this. 
Um, I've known Coach Oates since I was 16 years old. I got to watch him coach us in high school. I got to watch him be an assistant. I got to watch him be a head coach at the mid-major level. And I got to watch him be a head coach of a high-major team that wins SEC championships. And I feel like that's some invaluable experience. That's like getting an internship from like Steve Jobs at Apple if you want to be the next guy in tech. And I feel like Coach Oates is at that level, and I think he's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. So I'm very fortunate to be able to observe and learn from him. But our three assistant coaches that all went to get head coaching jobs, I think we're all the best in the country at what they did individually. And they all did different things for our team. We were the number three defense in the country, and Coach Charlie Henry was the – like the, the defensive defensive coach, like he, he ran our defense and him like Coach Oates gave him a lot of freedom and autonomy and Coach Oates trusted him and Charlie might have put more work than any other coach in the country as far as working towards your defense and watching the opponent's offense and planning and scheming for each game. So he got the job at Georgia Southern and it's rightfully deserved. Yep. And I think they're going to do very well there. They're probably for the good defense yeah. too. <laughs> and then Coach Petway, he ran our offense, and he was one of the best recruiters in the country. So his time with Coach Oates, he learned how Coach Oates wanted our offense to be ran, and he worked very closely with Coach Oates and our uh, director of scouting and analytics to have the best offensive sets for us and put our offense in the in the best position and I think he's going to take that to Kennesaw State and do very mm-hmm. well there he's already recruited some really good guys um, he's saying that their practices are going well, they're playing fast and they have a similar style system to us and I'm very excited to see how they do and then Brian Hodgson who like he, he's like a, he's he's a big the he's he's like a big brother to me and I I still talk to him all the time. He I got to work very very closely with him when he was recruiting and he recruited Brandon Miller. He's he was the best in the country as an assistant recruiting like bar none bar none you can bar say none. He, he, you was, can say he was the best and um his ability to connect and motivate and get guys to trust you and the relationships that he has. He's at Arkansas State. He's already signed some really talented players and very similar to Buffalo. We were signing signing guys that People maybe could have played at a higher level, but he was he's able to get top-tier talent yeah, wherever he's at. Wherever and he's he's going to get these guys to play so hard and to become a family and become so like close and tight-knit that – they're going to make sure they get stops at all times. They're going to play fast. Like he, he's going to run a similar system to what we've been doing because obviously he, ha- he was a part of Coach Oates building everything that he has built. And I got to just learn from him on the recruiting aspect. And we also, we were on the defensive side of the ball. Like we would break down personnel, and that would help him with how he evaluated players. And I was watching a bunch of film too, so... I feel like that helped me evaluate players or just help my evaluation skills get better. And 
now when like when they had first they had first taken all their jobs and Coach Oates had no assistance, um, I had to take everything I learned from each of these guys to just try to be there for Coach Oates in any any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Like I just if if he needed to lean on me in any way, shape, or form, I just wanted to be there and be ready. Like I know he had a million things going on. He had to hire a new staff. We had to sign our sign our our roster. He had to basically rely and trust on people for different things that weren't the guys that he relied and trusted on all these before. Years. But I will say this: I know Coach Oates trusts me. We've been together for so long, and with the three coaches moving on to other stops and I had op- opportunity to move on as well but like I've been with Coach Owens since I was 16 and he's he's one of the most loyal people in the world and I want to be loyal you to you are too though yeah so uh, I, Alabama was, made the most sense for me and I was able to get more responsibility like I, I was on the road recruiting I, I'm, I'm still uh, still like making these calls recruiting guys and still very like I'm very involved with all that, so that's been the new responsibility is to kind of turn recruiting into my my niche, and I th- I'm confident in myself that all the things that I have learned and just my different experiences in life that I can relate to players from all walks of life and connect with them and their families and their mentors and uh, just people that are close to them. So right now in my career, that's uh, that's probably the the next stage because before that I I was doing a ton of player development. Yeah. My, my title is still like director of player development, director of recruiting now, but player development was always my thing, and now recruiting has become a big responsibility for me, and I I want to be the best possible person I can be in in this side of the game. And I mean. I know you're going to do well in that position because people follow people, which is why Brian was able to get these guys who are built for higher majors to come to his school because people follow good people. They follow good programs. And I'm already knowing when you go out to meet these players, you meet these families, you're able to connect with all these different walks of life. They're going to be able to know that this is a good guy who has my son's best interests at heart and wants to see my son do great at the next level. So I've got no doubt in my mind that you'll definitely succeed at what you're about to do. Um, last but certainly not least before we wrap up the interview, how how are you able to juggle coaching and being a father at the same time? I know that's got to not be the easiest thing, um, but you mentioned during COVID how priceless it was, the amount of time you were able to spend with your family. Um how is that now? How awesome is that experience being a dad of two now? Um, congratulations on that, by the way. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. So I'll say this. Um, I know earlier in the in, in our conversation, I said basketball was my first love. When my son was born, I found a whole new level of love. Like, I love my mom and dad. I love my siblings. But you can bottle up all the love I have for them and multiply it by infinity and that's still probably not the same level of love that I feel for my son and then my daughter came oh my goodness it, the, I, I found that there's even more love in me that I can have so right now basketball and my, my children are my two loves and 
you you definitely can I'm, I'm not gonna say compartmentalize because like one's one's work and at the end of the day I can't live without my kids yeah you can you can live without any type of profession it's like whether you're working in sports or in design or in IT like that's all superficial at the end of the day like you said people follow people but it's all about people at the end of the day like the people that you love and the people that are around you because life isn't going to go on without people life can go on without a different career or with a different career or yep. doing something different for work every day but um, I'm very fortunate that my family is very close very tight and I get a lot of support from my loved ones with my with my kids and like I, I'm, I'm very very blessed like my my mom and my sister and my brother and my oldest sister they do everything possible to make my life as a father easier like when I'm with them it, like when when I get to my time with my kids it's strictly me getting to spend that quality time with them and if my mom is around she's gonna make sure everything else is good like all I gotta do is be there I gotta do bath time I gotta make sure I'm sitting down like reading them books like having dinner praying before dinner praying with them at night whatever time we get to spend together it's all quality time and as a as a parent like different there's there's times where you gotta make dinner you gotta wake them up you gotta give them baths and that stuff is all quality time but that's you don't get to do as much uh, like one on one stuff so reading a book with my kids and they're both called out with me is a lot different than they're hanging out in the living room while I'm cooking dinner. Yeah. So I have I've had to juggle all that stuff because I'm I am a single father, and there's times where it's been like two days that I haven't even slept because I I can't let my my brothers and my family at work I can't let them down by slipping up with that so. Whatever work I have to do, like once I put the kids in bed, if I stay up till two, three, four in the morning and do some stuff, then I will and make sure I make breakfast and food for us today. But um, like I said, my mom and my sister and brother, they're around often, and when they are, they they'll do that. They'll cook the dinner. Or like my mom will get Cook the bath. Yeah, she'll get the bath running. So that make that definitely makes it easier. And I love the fact that they can come to my games and um, it's. Early on, it wasn't easy, and like I said, there were those sleepless nights. But, scary. <laughs> but like, when you when you do after you put them to bed and you're doing all that work, and then you put then you go to, to bed yourself before you go to bed, you go look at them and watch them sleep, and like it's all for you too. Like, you guys are my why. You guys are my motivation. There's nothing I wouldn't do or put myself through to uh, like. If like I wouldn't, there's nothing I wouldn't do to make sure that you guys don't get to be better off from it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I love my son Nico and I love my daughter Kiana and they're the best things that have ever happened to me and they make the basketball part of my life even better because they get to come to the games and when they're coming to the games, I see them cheering. I see my son trying to shoot hoops on his little Fisher <laughs> Fisher Price rim. So, I hope that uh, I hope that they're proud of me because everything I do is for them. That's love, man, and that's I appreciate you being vulnerable, open up about that. We'll end it right here with this. I always like to ask my everyone I interview this question: Who is Christian Pino? Like, I know that's such a broad question, but in reality, like, what would you 
want people to say about you, your legacy to be, so to speak? Like, who are you? So, I'll say this. If the legacy that I want is I want to be known that I was a, a great a great father to my kids in any capacity, any aspect possible. Um, like I said, like I'm a single father, so my kids aren't always with me. And I just want them to know that I love them and that everything I do is for them. And my identity after that is I'm a competitor and I, I believe in hard work. And when I'm not with them, everything is dedicated to, obviously, like my, my family's relationships and uh, the personal relationships I have in life. But I hope everyone knows that when, I, when I'm coaching and that when I'm with our guys, I give them everything I have. Like they're my own family, like they're my own brothers, my own, like, like. All in. Everything that I'll do for my son and daughter, I will do for any of our players. And I want, I would, I want, let pe- I want people to know that when it's all said and done that he loved his kids and his players, they may not have been his kids, but he would bend over backwards and do everything for any guy in his team, whether you're a star player averaging 20 points or whether you are a walk-on that just plays in practice mm-hmm. like whatever it is call me whenever you need me I'm there like when I love I love deep and I love all our guys so that's so that's all I want to really be known for just that I was dependable and that I was always there through the highs and the lows like I stay like I, I, I stay real and I hope that's how I'm always gonna be Man, I appreciate you, Pino, man. What an interview, man. I appreciate this. And y'all stay tuned to Road Tide this year. Y'all don't know what's going to happen. They're not talking about them much right now, but I got a feeling that by the time March comes around, those boys are going to be dancing again. And um, I- I've got my popcorn ready for the season, man. So I, I appreciate the interview and uh, Road Tide. Road Tide. But I'm finally here and follow me here Cause trust me it's no time to be square And if you really did trust me then you would solemnly swear To pop a bottle for every band and I fly in the air